Hello and welcome to a double feature of the Wildcat Offense brought to you by me, Wes Ibarra of Offsea Sport. Um, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving break. I hope it was restful, feastful, if that's even a word. And of course, very full of important and meaningful people in your lives. Um, I sure had a great Thanksgiving break. It was well needed. Um, of course, a lot of highs and a lot of not actually not too many lows if you if you want to count black friday shopping as a low then sure but a lot of highs especially the obvious one that be the wildcats winning on saturday over against our bitter rival the illinois fighting illini 45 to 42 bringing home the land of lincoln trophy i believe it's the first time in two years that the team has brought it home and this game was full of action i mean Christ, 45 to 42 was the final score of the game. And that was the highest scoring game in Northwestern Illinois history. And this is between 117 games played between the programs. Um, before I do break it down, I want to encourage each and every one of you guys to share the show with friends, family, colleagues, anyone that is down and join the Sports Talk conversation. Of course, I am very thankful for the likes, the ratings, the reviews. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to the project. I can be found on most podcast platforms at Offsea Sport. That's spelled O-F-F-C-I-E-S-P-O-R-T. Okay, now let's get into it. So, Cats win 45-42. We get bragging rights for a whole year before we face these guys again in Evanston a year from now, more or less. Um, the Cats improved to 7-5 and five on the year. So again, the season that keeps on giving or the house money season, whatever you want to call it. Um, we now make it a little sweeter. Gives us a little bit of a better position to be in a better bowl game at 7-5 and five, while our bitter rivals fall to 5-7. Uh, and seven. Uh, and just being one game on the outside of qualifying for a bowl. So they will be sitting at home this bowl season. I do want to add that the Cats improved 5-4 and four in Big Ten Conference play, while Illini finish at 3-6. and six. And that means that the Cats will finish second. So going from worst to second, how about it? That is something that is just quite remarkable. Of course, it would have been nice to have gone from worst to first, right? Because those are the stories that everyone talks about. However, going from worst to second with a new head coach, new philosophy, to an extent, new players, I mean, come on. Like, you can't make this up. Uh, the only bad thing about that is that now the pressure is on, right? I did say that this was our CFP game, right? And our championship game will be whoever we play in the bowl game. And, of course, the Cats did enough to win this game, though there could have been a lot of opportunities for the Illini to win the game and get their bull berth. But before we get into the nitty-gritty about that, um, I do want to say that there's a lot of fun facts coming from this game. So, the Cats basically end the season with a three-game winning streak, which is awesome. Right. Nobody would have expected this at this point in time. As far as Coach Braun is concerned, and of course the Coach Braun magical Cinderella story, whatever you want to call it, he is tied with Coastal Carolina's Tim Beck for the most wins by a first-year head coach in FBS. His five conference wins are most, surpassing John 
courts, four punts, four wins in 1973, and that is within conference play. So to break that down a little bit further, he is tied with uh, Tim Beck for seven wins as a first-year head coach overall, while five Big Ten wins are most in program history, surpassing John Ponce, who had four back in 1973. Speaking of the bonus that comes from going from worst to second, since the Cats have won six more games in the last year, this is the largest win improvement this season in FBS. This is the sixth time within the last nine seasons that the Wildcats have reached seven wins. So there has been sustained success in the program. Of course, this season is just that much different just because of all the changes. Uh, Cam Johnson set a career high, 124 yards on seven receptions, making him the third Northwestern player since 2000 to catch a touchdown in four plus consecutive games. And the first since Austin Carr caught a touchdown pass in six straight games from 9-10, which is no, September 10th to October 14th of 2016. Um, it also marks the second 100-plus yard receiving day by a Wildcat after Bryce Kurtz's 215-yard game against Minnesota. So the wide receiving room has had a really good year. Of course, it came a little bit later in the year, but better than never, right? So look for that to those two guys to make a big impact on the next game. Xander Mueller posted nine tackles and an interception, his third of the season. He's the first Wildcat since 2000 to post 100 tackles, five-plus sacks, and three-plus interceptions in the same season, and the third player in Big Ten since 2000. So a lot of record-breaking years, something about this. I mean, it's like a wave of fresh air uh, seeping around this team. Uh, 45 points are the Wildcats' most since scoring 45 against UMass on November 16th, 2019. It's also the most points in a conference game since scoring 45 against Purdue on November 12th of 2016, which is very surprising to me, right? Because the Cats are very bad on the road this year. So what really makes their resume look good going into this bowl game is that this team was very good at home. The Cats went 5-1 and one at home this season, the lone loss being Penn State. So, of course, if, <laughs> if you copied and pasted that first half of that Penn State game, the Cats are probably undefeated at home and maybe just maybe win the West and would have a Big Ten championship against Michigan. However, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But I am, you know, or no, I should say I, but we should be very happy with these results right now. Uh, and another fun fact, the Cats scored a touchdown in every quarter of the game, which is the first time that's happened since October 24th, 2020 against Maryland. So that was the big game. Uh, COVID year with no fans in the stands, right? Cats had a field day against uh, well-known Taulia Tagovailoa in this game, uh, which is probably the biggest game of anyone on that field's life to score a touchdown in every quarter. That's pretty remarkable, too. Um, and the Cats, since their defense tallied two interceptions, bringing its season total 11, it has recorded eight interceptions in the last six games. So pass defense, it's almost like a no-fly zone these past six games. So great job on the defensive end. So Coach Braun and all his assistants on the defensive end, great job on turning it up on a very crucial part of the year and probably the most important, if not the most important game of the year for the Cats. Let's go down into the numbers. From a passing standpoint, Ben Bryant, QB1, went 24 of 32 for 234 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, with only two sacks. So great job offensive line for keeping Illinois' pass rush at bay. And 
goodness, I think that's the best offensive line performance all game, and it couldn't have come at a better time. Cam Porter and Anthony Tyus III led the way rushing. Cam went 16 for 69 with the 21 long, average 4.3. Anthony Tyus went 6 for 45 with one touchdown. He did have a fumble, uh, I believe, in the game, but it just so happened that one of our guys scooped it up, so that counts for a touchdown, averaging 7.5 yards a carry. Of course, receiving our usual guys, Cam Johnson, Bryce Kurtz, A.J. Henning. Cam Johnson went 7 for 124 with one touchdown. Bryce Kurtz, 4 for 44, no touchdowns this game, but still a pretty big effect on the receiving end. A.J. Henning with four receptions, 20 yards, and a touchdown. Um, we're looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Am I counting that properly? 1, 2, 3, 4. Five touchdowns from from Northwestern's offense. So you got to love it. You really got to love it there. Um, this, oh, and that is three rushing, two pass. So what talk about having an offensive effort. Of course, what I'm really a stickler gonna what I'm really gonna be a stickler about is Ben Bryant having two interceptions. I did say in the preview show that he has to play the second biggest game of his life, and for the most part, he did. Of course, you want to take care of the ball because Northwestern is pretty good this year on taking care of the ball. Uh, they ranked better than Illinois going into uh, Saturday's game in regards to uh, turnovers allowed. Um, thankfully, you know, two interceptions isn't the worst thing in the world, but you don't really want that to, to happen, especially in the bowl game. You want to have a clean game or as clean of a game as possible. So hopefully this primes them for whatever game that is. As far as Illinois goes, Luke Altmaier did not play, so backup John Paddock was at the helm, 24-34, 334 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and two sacks himself. So great job on Illinois' offensive line for keeping the pass rush um, at bay. Of course, they didn't keep the pass defense at bay with two interceptions, but of course, to stay upright for the most part, that's not bad. And former quarterback turned Wide receiver Isaiah Williams went one for one with a touchdown. Um, it was one of those trick plays where you had a skilled player throw the ball. And, of course, it worked out. And I'm sure it felt good as a former quarterback to have that feeling again. Reggie Love the third, and Aiden Lawry led the way rushing. Love went 23 for 106. No touchdowns. Laurie went 3 for 22, no touchdowns, 4.6, 7.3 yards of carry, respectively. As far as receiving, Casey Washington had a day. Oh, my gosh. I, You know that feeling when you watch a game and then one guy from the other team has such a game where you just maybe permanently hate him? Well, I guess. I know hate's a strong word, but... Casey Washington was that for Saturday. Nine receptions, 218 yards, three touchdowns. Longest was 80 for a touchdown as well, actually. So he had a lot of chunk plays that really kept Illinois in the game. If it weren't for him, chances are Northwestern runs away with this game, and Illinois looks outmatched. Isaiah Williams in 6 for 57, no touchdowns. Pat Bryant, 5 for 37 with one touchdown. Northwestern leaders on defense, Rod Hurd, Xander Mueller, and Bryce Gallagher. Nine tackles for Hurd, nine for Mueller, and eight for Bryce. Xander Mueller did have an interception, so that was pretty huge for the defense. For 
Illinois. Dylan Rosiak, Zachary Tobe, Scott Miles led the way. Nine tackles, seven tackles, six tackles, respectively. Rosiak did have a forced fumble and one PBU. Miles had the pick six where it went 55 yards. So defense did really play a role here in this game as well. However, it just wasn't enough. Or really not much of a role because you get about 45 points. But um, the stars of those defenses did whatever they could to keep their games alive, right? Without letting the team necessarily do too much, but or not too much, but rather let the game get away. But it was their offense that really, really carried the, the vibes. So, but that's the numbers there for both teams. You know, looking back on it, I mean, that's probably the game that, we all wanted to see, right? In the preview show, I did say that these were the kind of games where it's going to be close. Um, you're going to see a lot of things that you want to see that you don't want to see, just about everything, right? Um, I was following the game through the radio, and it didn't seem that there weren't any scuffles of any sort, which was good. So usually, of course, everyone plays with a higher sense of urgency. There's a lot involved. There's a lot of emotion involved when it comes to an in-state rivalry game and even a traditional rivalry game like this luckily both teams kept it cool um i did say that you know the cats really have to play the game of their lives or in ben Bryant's case second biggest game of his life and um everyone else probably the same but you got to treat it as if it is a college football playoff game for the cats and Boy, did they show up. There were times where I felt that maybe the Cats let them get away. And I would have never heard the end of it from uh, friends, family, co-workers. Because I do have a lot of Illinois supporters in my life. And Illinois alumni in my life. And we were talking about this game really, really uh, profusely. Uh, however, I'm just glad that my team got the win, you know. I kept saying that the hat was going to come back to Cook County. And a lot of people thought it was funny, thought I was, you know, just being a comedian. But to see it in actual practice, I mean, it just feels good to have the um, bragging rights for a full 365 days. Um, as for us, the Wildcat fan base, not just this win, but you got to say that this season just really means a lot, right? With all the allegations, Coach Fitz getting fired, underperformance the last two years after, you know, a splendid 2020, you know, it probably would have been safe to think that this team probably would have gone winless. And I know I keep saying that. I've been probably saying that for the last 12 weeks. And it's crazy and scary to think that, you know, we've been talking about Wildcat football for 12 weeks now. And those 12 weeks have elapsed. However, to go 7-5, and five, if anyone bet on this team to win six games or more, I hope you made a lot of money, honestly. Because, yeah, like even for me, I thought we were going to be on the outside looking in like a 4-8, and 3-9 and nine type year. I didn't think that this team was going to go 0-12 or 1-11. And, and even though watching that and... Watching, I believe it was only three wins in uh, 2020, 
one, you know, I didn't ever want to see that again because, you know, growing up watching Wildcat football, it was usually like a good year, a meh year, good year again, bad year, good year, meh year, good year, good year, bad year. You know what I'm saying, right? It, there doesn't seem to be like a good sense of consistency every time, but this time it's just very different because it's just a huge breath of fresh air. Of course, you know, the real test will come this weekend when they decide to pair up uh, the actual bowl game for the Cats. And, you know, there are a few games where the Big Ten does have a tie-in. I would imagine that the Cats will still play in December. It's not going to be like a January game where we're going to be close to the college football playoff uh, because, you know, there's teams like Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, right, that have better records than us, and we'll probably get those better games. However, just seeing the Cats in a bowl game just feels good. It, and with this particular team, it just feels good, right? Like, man, now, now everyone knows who Coach Braun is, and hopefully Coach Braun can build a sustainable program for, let's just say, five-plus years, right? Let's give him that. Sure, you know, it would be nice if he could stay for as long as Coach Fitz did, which was close to 20 years, right? But this is a cutthroat business. This is a um, results-oriented business, right? And you might know everything about sports, right? Like my, my discipline is baseball. And I like to think that I know a thing or two about baseball, but if you're not winning, right, you're not going to be coaching. At least, uh, at least at a power five. I sure as hell am not. But I get to talk about this with you guys from a fan's perspective. And hopefully you guys feel that way too, I hope. Um, I think it is safe to say that the pressure is on now. Because now that, you know, we're at the end of the season, I still think that the Cats have to play like they got nothing to lose for the next three weeks or so, four weeks or so, right? Because you want to end on a high, as if this wasn't already high enough. But I think winning a bowl game in Coach Braun's first year, regardless of who the opponent is, though I do think, I want I want to make that known right now, I do think whoever the Wildcats will draw will be statistically and maybe on paper more talented than they are. But that doesn't mean anything, right? Because the Cats have beaten teams that, have been 10 times better than them all year. They're kind of like the Denver Broncos of um, NCAA football. And you can put that on record of, as, of me saying that. Of course, Ben Bryant is no Russell Wilson. But, good God, like, nobody gave this team a chance. And 7-5, and five, with a chance to go 8-5 and five on the year. Of course, if you adjust everything, well, in my head, right, this team is 9-3. and three. Right, because I, I still firmly believe that the Cats should have beaten Nebraska and should have beaten Iowa at Wrigley. But hindsight is twenty twenty, and you obviously can't take any of that stuff back. But um, you know, those are still building blocks to, you know, build an elite program. You know, we all dream of the Cats going twelve and 0, 11 and one, and playing in a New Year's Six Bowl or even a CFP or a national championship game, right? And if it does happen in our lifetime, 
I think this is going to be the one season that you remember as that season that triggers everything. So, you know, looking back from a regular season standpoint, I'm so happy to have started this project at this time, right? Because, you know, you could say it's a, you know, low-key fan-run show, right? I'm not affiliated with the athletic department or I'm not employed by any major sports network or anything like that. But I want to follow this team because I'm interested. And I want to show this to you because you, my audience, is interested too. And, um, you know, now that we got to see a season where the team overperformed by like a thousand percent, it just makes it that much cooler to watch. And hopefully the team can do the same in the following year and probably have a much more stronger start next year and have more wins going to next year but you know let's stay focused on this year and this year is already a lot so all i all i can say to sign off on the football portion of tonight's double feature is that um whoever the cats face they have to be ready and the cats have to be ready too so congratulations to the wildcats for one heck of a regular season and getting that bull berth uh, in coach Braun's first year um, I hope you all, the listeners, are pretty happy with the Wildcats, too. Uh, and, you know, I, I'd love to hear what you guys think on this. Like, you know, can there be more to be extracted from this team? Uh, you know, can the Cats actually get a bigger named bowl game instead of those, like, you know, ones that you see early in December and stuff like that? But until then, one heck of a season. So happy. Um, congrats to the Cats for winning the Land of Lincoln Trophy and Coach Braun winning his first one in his first year. Like, come on, talk about first tries, right? First try successes. But yeah, that's football. You know, it's great to get a win at that point in time in that venue. And, you know, all they can do now is get ready for the postseason. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will preview the basketball game tonight uh, against Northern Illinois University. It's going to be uh, the Cats' first game back since the Hall of Fame tip-off tournament. So lengthy, restful break for those uh, guys on the hardwood. All right, we will be right back after this. Hello and welcome back to the double feature of the Wildcat offense. We are now transitioning into the basketball portion of the show. The Cats are back. It seems like forever. It seems age, like ages ago that they last played at the Hall of Fame tip-off tournament in which the Cats split those two games, beating Rhode Island 72-61, and then losing the uh, Mississippi State 66-57 in the championship game. Um, of course, if you have not seen the recap and previews of those tournament games, uh, Feel free to take a listen to those uh, before uh, you watch uh, the game and perhaps uh, before, or I shouldn't say before, because at the time we're recording this, we are 59 minutes away from tip-off. But in the event that you're able to hear this before the game, feel free to take a look back. Um, of course, to kind of recap, that kind of tournament is helpful, or should I say was, was helpful for the Cats in the sense that, you know, they're in a tournament-type environment playing against well-coached tournament level teams 
more so Mississippi State than Rhode Island. However, the Cats, I, for the most part, did very well out there and have shown that, you know, they can sustain, you know, tournament level success, uh, at least over the course of these two games. Small sample size, but they have shown that they can perform in a tournament environment. Of course, that tournament highlighted Boo Booey, who averaged uh, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 4 steals, and 3 assists over those two games. Ty Berry did show up 14 games, games points against Rhode Island, and 13 against Mississippi State. So that's the first time in his season that he scored in double figures uh, consecutively. And then, of course, there's Brooks Barnheiser, who's coming along very, very well. Uh, he's averaging 16.4 points and 8.4 rebounds a game in his first year in the starting lineup. Um, and I also want to highlight Ryan Langborg, the transfer from Princeton, who has been really, really helpful to the starting five this year. So, again, a cohesive, experienced unit with a lot of college basketball and tournament experience um, played, you know, it's been really paying off so far in this early stretch of the year. So currently, before we get into the breakdown of the game, the Cats are one of the best teams in the country at taking care of the basketball. So they are averaging 9.2 turnovers a game, which is second in the Big Ten and 26th in the country. And they force an average of 16 turnovers a game, which is fourth most in the Big Ten. So very tenacious defensive team while taking good care of the basketball. That is very Chris Collins-esque, Duke-esque, if you will. Because for those that don't know, Chris Collins was once an assistant under Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, at Duke. So, of course, you want to have that mentality of taking care of the basketball and not giving it away. Uh, right now, the Cats sit at 4-1. and one. Um, Tonight's game is at 7 o'clock, so just a little under 57 minutes away from tip at the time of recording. Um, at home, Walsh Ryan Arena, they are playing Northern Illinois, so in-state game. Uh, if you are looking to catch the game on TV, it's on Big Ten Plus. And, of course, for those listening on the radio, that is AM 720. So... Got a little bit of history with um, NIU. It's the 13th time that the Cats have faced the Huskies. Um, the Cats do lead the all-time series 10-2, including a 6-0 record at home. Hopefully that can improve to 11-2 and 7-0 respectively. Um, the teams did meet last year at Welsh Ryan Arena, in which Ty Berry posted a double-double with 11 points and 11 rebounds on the way to a 63-46 to uh, victory over the Huskies. So last year, they meet again this year, again in Evanston. So in my opinion, that's a pretty rare sighting. You get to face a team twice, and you play them back-to-back -back at home. That's the first time uh, since the, the two teams are meeting back-to-back uh, since 2009 and 2010. Um, of course, the reason why I am reacting that way is because usually when you play a team non-conference, you try to make up some kind of schedule where they come to you and then eventually you go to them. And, that, and that's vice versa, right? But it looks like they're meeting in Evanston twice. So, of course, you want to defend home court if you are the Wildcats. 
or some, and of course, if you're NIU, that's also good because uh, in a way, I would assume that this is involved, but in a way that's a good payout to help build your program in the future. So for those that don't know, a lot of the times lower conference uh, or smaller conference, I shouldn't say lower, but smaller conference teams like NIU will go on the road to play bigger teams, power five teams like a Northwestern, right? And usually there is a financial stipulation that um, comes with it, right? So my alma mater was Loyola. Um, I used to work for their women's basketball team, and they've explained to me that at times um, when Loyola would play a non-conference opponent at home, whether that's like a lower division team or even a lower or smaller conference team, right, that usually means that there was some kind of deal negotiated where um, they come to us one year, we go to them. Or if it's like a lower division school, we pay them to come here. And, you know, it's not a strange phenomenon in college sports, right? Like, it happens in football all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, usually when you are the road team and the smaller team, of course you want to take advantage of those opportunities, especially if you feel that the team is competitive enough to play with these bigger teams because it not only gives the guys exposure to – stiffer competition it also just again helps build the program for the future because there are financial stipulations involved um but that's just a little side bit to as to why maybe northwestern is hosting niu twice or should i say niu is visiting northwestern twice but as for the huskies they have a pretty good record themselves they are entering tonight's contest at five wins and one loss. The only loss coming at Marquette on the road. Marquette is a top five team in the country. So, makes sense. However, it looks like they are out for blood with these Chicago area teams. Their last game was an 89-79 win against DePaul at Wintrust Arena uh, this past Saturday. Um, so, huge upset there. NIU goes into a Big East gym against the Big East team and beats them. And now they're looking to get a second win against a Chicago area team. And uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. Breaking down that game, they won. It looks like they won, let's see here, 89-79 to 79 with 34 points behind Dave Coit. And um, that guy went... 11 for 19 from the field, 8 for 15 from 3, 4 for 4 from the line. So I think that's a player that the Cats need to watch out for tonight. And a couple other players would be Zarik Nutter, who went 19 points in his last game, and Xavier Amos. So three guards, two forwards. So another smaller lineup, right? So it's nothing that Bowie, Barry, and Langborn cannot handle, right? So if they can keep the three guards at bay, and of course if um, Nicholson as well as uh, Barnheiser can keep uh, Amos and Yannick Conan Neiderhauser, or Conan Neiderhauser at bay, right? It should be a very convincing win for the Wildcats. Of course, you never, ever, ever want to take these games lightly, right? Because it can be any team's given day at any team's given time 
And you don't ever want to be on the short end of the stick when you are the home team, you are the power five team. You clearly have the better talent, the better cohesiveness, and maybe the better experience. And you don't want to play to a smaller team's level. You just don't want to do that, right? It happens a lot in this part of the season. And, you know, it's even more damning when it happens at a tournament, whether that's the uh, CBI, NIT, or NCAA tournament. So the Cats have to play a really, really complete game. You know, I know I've been saying that, and in an ideal world, every game needs to be played completely, right? Um, even the upcoming game, which I will talk about in a couple minutes, but it is going to be a smaller lineup. So I could see Matthew Nicholson getting a lot of action as he is he probably would be the tallest player on the floor come game time right so for him to get his blocks his rebounds and a couple inside feeds to dominate you know that could be the difference in the game outside of the cats not uh letting niu take the ball and taking the ball away from this uh smaller lineup so let's take a look at the odds real quick it looks like the Cats are a 12 and a half point favorite. Um, so this, again, it looks like they're on pace for a convincing win. And I would like to agree with that. So I am going to go. Hmm. I'm going to go 80 to 69 in favor of the Wildcats. I think the Cats should have an offensive explosion tonight against this type of team. Um, I don't think this team will hold, you know, this Cats, or I should say uh, Huskies team to under 65 points, which would be, of course, ideal for any scenario again. But I do see them holding, I, uh, excuse me, I do see them being held under 70. So 80, 69. Um, I think the Cats will improve to 5-1. and one. And that will prime them very good for Friday night's game against Purdue, who probably will be number one by the time that game rolls around. And we'll preview that game on Friday night. Uh, but there you have it. That's my basketball preview for tonight. What do you think? Do you think the Cats are in for a cakewalk? Or does NIU have something that we don't know? Thank you again for all the support. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to the project. It keeps me motivated to keep creating content. Feel free to share with friends, family, colleagues, anyone that is down to join the Sports Talk conversation. I can be found on most podcast platforms. I am spelled O-F-F-C-I-E-S-P-O-R-T. Thank you so much. Have a great night and go Cats! Wow.